Tonight's show is an adult show. So if you're easily offended, <laughs> fuck you. Now, sit back, relax, and make some noise. I said, make some noise. And please welcome your hostess, the sensational Miss K.Y. Kelly. Hi guys, welcome to Behind the Queens with me, K.Y. Kelly. Coming up on today's show, I'll be catching up with my very good friend, the Canal Street legend, that is Mr. John Hamilton. It's an interview not to be missed, so make sure you stay tuned. So, welcome back guys, thank you so much for rejoining us on Behind the Queens. Can I just start off by saying a huge huge sorry to everyone that was disappointed that there was no episode last Friday. That is because there was a slight delay in being able to record the interview with John, which meant it would have had to been rushed in the edit. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to discredit him in any way. So I thought, take a week off and really take your time with it. But we are back and bigger and better than ever. And my God, have I got a treat of an interview for you to listen to today. Yes, it is the amazing Mr. John Hamilton. And do you know what? When I was recording the interview with him, we have got like about two hours of material. That man has led such an amazing, colourful life. And when it came to editing the interview, I was really stuck because I was like, I don't want to cut any of this out. And I'm sure the viewers want to hear these fabulous stories that John has lived through. So I have decided that I'm going to split John's interview into two parts. And today we're getting part one. And then next Friday, we will get part two. Because believe me, it is worth the listen. My God, I could have chatted to him for hours and hours and hours, but we were already at two hours and I was like, Christ, this will be like a month's worth of episodes here, but you're really in for a treat. So uh, yes, I can't wait for you to hear it in this week's episode. So I hope everybody is well and enjoying this amazing weather that we've been having. Do you know, it always makes everything seem that little bit better, doesn't it, when the sun's shining? I've actually been serving Butch Queen realness recently because me and the hubby, we decided to do the decking in the garden. And do you know what? I was super bloody proud of us. Considering we've never done anything like that before, we built the frame, laid all the decking boards, we've painted it. I will say, trying to paint the garage, we wanted this nice grey. <gasps> I don't know why, I just thought it might be a bit easy. Trying to paint brick was just ridiculous. My arm and my hand were fucking killing for days. You'd think I'd taken part in the Great British Wankathon or something, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> but it's looking fabulous. It's always nice when the garden's nice, isn't it? And you can enjoy it in the nice weather and stuff. So I'm hoping this weather continues because, as I said, it just makes you feel a little bit brighter, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to stop waffling and crack on with part one of this absolutely amazing interview. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the legendary Mr. John Hamilton. Yeah! 
How are you, babe? You okay? I'm all right. I'm a bit hungover, to tell the truth. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Get me to record this on a bank holiday Monday. You must be mad, woman. <laughs> too many sherries last night was it oh unbelievable we had such a good day yeah such it was good, good yesterday wasn't it do you know what i love about these sundays at the minute there is so much online entertainment obviously you're on at 6 p.m yeah. i do 4 p.m then you've got like mary mack at 5 30 yeah. miss jason there's just so much going on it's great and obviously it's just an excuse to have a drink but if the day ends oh, in a while wants to drink so. absolutely i mean to tell the truth it's the only day i drink yeah one of my friends went oh my god i can't believe you're drinking while you're working i mean it's not work it's a bit of fun oh yeah do you know this is the thing i had to remind myself last week it was all getting a little bit on top of me and i thought do you know what in a way as much as we love it we're not actually getting paid for this as yeah. such so why put that pressure on yourself if you need to take a bit of time out and do it you know this is like you've just said a little bit of fun and that's what it is i mean first i don't know whether you found this when you first did it you know your facebook lives or your your uh whatever uh, and, and then you think, the first time you do it, like, this is really strange, just sat here with a camera in front of you. Yeah, really, really strange. I feel like I've sort of relaxed into it now. I quite enjoy it. Obviously, yeah. I had those nightmare technical issues <laughs> in the beginning. But Touchwood, I mean, I don't want to jinx myself, but Touchwood, I think it's all sorted now with like various people's help. And I've had a brand new broadband system fitted and stuff. But yeah, it was that was causing me stress. But now I feel like I've relaxed into it. So I wanted to do it. It's so hard, isn't it? Not having yeah. an actual audience. But plus, I didn't want to have my fat face right in the camera trying to read the comments. So that's yeah. why I do it with my AirPods and get Matt to read the comments. And it's just try yeah. and look a little bit smoother. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite lucky because, I mean, because I've been in lockdown, would you believe? I don't know if, I, if that's luck or it's that or it's a murder sentence. <laughs> I've been in lockdown with Paul McAvoy. Okay. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, we've been friends for years. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to see anybody in lockdown on their own. No, definitely uh, and, not. You know, uh, for mental health reasons and stuff like that. So, you know, we teamed up. Yeah. So uh, he's been quite supportive technically. He's brilliant on stuff like that. So it's I've been the face while he's been pulling the strings behind, so to speak. That's li literally like mine. Matt is a genius at all that stuff. So I just leave him to do that bit and I'll be the face in front of the camera. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So... How do you feel you've been coping during lockdown? Uh, up and down. I have to say up and down uh, for, for my mental health and stuff like that. I had a couple of ba bad days last week, yeah. not knowing why. I'm understanding why. Uh, and uh, Antonio was like, OK, and he just left me be. I think he realised himself it wasn't a good week for me. Um, yeah, yeah. But other than that, fine. I think it's the frustration of not knowing where we're at and where we're going to. I That's think got on top of me. Yeah, I think I've I've always said this, um, and I know they can't really do it, but if we had a little glimmer of hope to say, right, we are looking at such and such of, even if it was September, October, yeah. just a certain date to sort of focus on, you you just get through those little challenges, don't you think, right, we're a little step closer. But I appreciate they can't do that because there's morons out there who'll say, you told me it was going to be the such and such of whatever and obviously things change daily don't they at the minute this r yeah. rate and you know everything's so, changed and then you've got the Dom uh, dominic cummins thing going on and yeah oh and the people going what's that about well that's the prime minister's chief helper that decided to go and break the rules and yeah. then bend the rules to suit <laughs> his own needs i mean hello <laughs>
I noticed last week was actually Mental Health Awareness Week. And, you know, I'll put my hands up. I do suffer really bad with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. I try and hide it so well. Most performers do. That's why we perform, let's face it, because we want to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head there. But I think this lockdown has literally brought out a bad side to that for a lot of people. Mm. You know, I'm trying to keep myself busy and I do it right. Think like tasks as such. Mm-hmm. For instance, today I knew I'm going to record with you and then maybe do a little bit of painting of the decking in the garden, things like that. And like, I think if I've got something to focus on, it's fine. But you know, seeing people struggling, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did uh, this last week wasn't a good week, but I I planned to do Sunday lunches. Uh, yeah, because George has been doing it at the Spread Eagle in Bolton, and he said, "Look, you should do it. You're in the city centre." I went, "Oh, I don't know." He said, "Listen, it's not about making money. It's about setting a goal for yourself, and you've got something to do." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I did it, planned it all, posters, and did it all the Sunday lunch yesterday, and I had such a good day yesterday. I mean, we only done twenty meals, but it was twenty meals of regulars that actually used the bar, yeah. that actually placed orders for their for their Sunday roast. Amazing. So is this something you're going to keep up? Yeah, we're going to do it every Sunday, I think. It just gives me something to do over the weekend. Brilliant. You know, the only problem is I didn't actually programme it in to realise that I've actually got a half an hour from when I finish it to put my makeup on to then go and do the bingo. <laughs> what, that makeup takes half an hour? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. At least I attempted, darling. At least I attempted. <laughs> Absolutely. But obviously this coronavirus issue and the whole lockdown must be like really stressful for you being a business owner and stuff. So uh, obviously for those of you that don't know, then how do you not know? You are the landlord slash landlady <laughs> of the iconic Bar Pop Manchester. So what does the future hold for Bar Pop? Well, we are going to open. There's going to be no quick, you know, throw the keys in and do a runner because unfortunately, you know, my name's above the door. And if yeah, I yeah. do a runner, they're going to chase me for money. So I can't run anywhere. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, we, we, we were quite lucky and we are quite lucky. We are quite a stable bar within the village uh, financially and stuff like that so I'm really quite proud of Antonio my partner my husband in crime whatever you want to call him uh, (laughs) uh, uh, a bugger at times let's face it but he is a whiz when it comes to finances make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed so as lockdown came in we were in a comfortable position to ride the wave if that makes any sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have been okay. I mean, the government have been okay with the furlough that helped uh, has helped us out tremendously, and means we could go on for another three months. Uh, we were in a good position with the landlord that we had paid the rent, uh, mm-hmm. and we've talked to the landlord since, and we've come up with a deal on the rent. Uh, Brilliant. Quite lucky compared to most venues. Most venues are in a situation where landlords won't discuss the rent with them or won't even drop the rent or won't defer the rent. Uh, we've been lucky. We've got a good deal with our landlord, and I'm happy to say that uh, it's put us in an even stronger position. Brilliant. As to coming out of lockdown and where Bar, Bar Pop fits into that and how it's going to work, I don't really know yet. We're waiting this 50-page or 75-page document from the government to go to the local councils for the local councils to tell us what next so yeah, uh, it's still slightly up in the air. But yeah, I think still the air. We, we we are all working towards the fourth of July. Yeah, that is an opening date that seems to be penciled in most people's calendars. Yeah, yeah. So even though it's not been announced, I think the feeling is 
this is where is this is the day everybody's working towards. Yeah. Uh, so that and I'll... obviously there's going to be so many rules put in place. First of what I've heard as well is that it'll be mainly be outside drinking, not yeah. the actual bars being open. But, but that to me, I mean, I know I'm speaking from a different side of it because obviously you're a business yeah. owner, but being an entertainer and working in the bars, I want that to happen on the 4th of July just because then the ball is rolling. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely. The sooner we can get this ball rolling, it might not suit everybody's needs and everybody might not have an outside area or whatever, but we've got to start from somewhere. So tell me about Bar Pop. I always refer to Bar Pop as the heart of the gay village. So uh, how do you describe it? I think you've hit the nail on the head. That is it. We st- we started this because of its position uh, of the bar is right in the heart of Canal Street. And I think that this bar didn't have a good reputation when we took over it. And the essence okay. was, here is a bar at the heart of Canal Street that is the heart of the village as its core. That's what we're about. And then to bring uh, the best entertainment to the village uh, of local entertainment, because yeah. there's a lot of girls out there uh, and they don't get a chance. And so it's, well, we could be like a school of drag. We're not a corporate company. We're a, a, a privately owned bar by two gay guys who's put their savings and their pensions into it. So it is our life. And, yeah. and for us, is we couldn't afford, you know, the big circuit queens every week, you know, because we hadn't got that money. So we yeah. come from, OK, well, let's start and let's bring in new drag and let them learn with us as we go along the way. And then as and we've had loads of drag queens come in and learn. And as they progress and get better, they move on to things bigger and better. Yeah. I mean, one of the prime examples, obviously, is Danny Beard. Yeah, yeah. You know, Danny Beard started with me at Poptastic as a boy, then invented his uh, character, Danny Beard. And then came to DJ when we moved here. He came to join us here. And then obviously went on, as people got to see him and stuff like that, uh, they offered him more money and the bugger pissed off to another venue. But that's life. <laughs> <laughs> but of as course, I say, yeah. uh, we don't have the money. So once you are have made it and another venue offers you more money, go and take it. Yeah. I don't have any I don't have any animosity, anything like that at all. If somebody's gonna offer you more money and you think that's a better job, then go for it. And I wish you luck. But don't yeah. ever walk through my door again. <laughs> do not cross John Hamilton. No. Certainly do not cross Antonio. No. no, definitely don't cross the Latino. Oh my god. You know. But uh but yeah, I'm quite proud of that. I'm really quite proud of that. And quite and I also think it's important to make sure that your regulars are looked after and they are an integral part of your business. Because without support of your regulars, then you don't have a bar. Exactly. Do you know what I love? Like watching from the sidelines for yourself and Antonio, you really do go above and beyond and mingle with your clientele, really, don't you? You're always out and about on the floor speaking to people. You are literally the face of the bar. I mean, there's 30 odd bars and clubs and businesses in this area. So what makes you special? Why has somebody that's visiting Manchester or lives in Manchester going to choose to walk through your door? And that's why we have to, if a person has made that choice, then we have to look at that person. Okay, they've made a choice to come in. We now have to entertain them. We now have to make them feel comfortable. We now have to make them say, this is a great bar. I'm coming back. 
Absolutely. And you know, you always say it over the mic, and this is how I would describe it if someone asked me. Amazing DJs who play fabulously camp music that you really want to dance to. Yeah. Cheap drinks and bloody cracking entertainment from the show team. What more could you ask for? Yeah. I mean, that's it, isn't it? And I think we're quite yeah. lucky. I think we're quite lucky in that we have that support all around. And from, and from I, I have to say, from the circuit queens, that is the girls that work around the country, the drag queens that work around the country. Even yeah, yeah. though we don't book a lot of girls, we do four or five girls a year. There is a queue of girls that say, I'm in Manchester, John. Is there any chance I could work or stuff like that? And I say, look, it's the wrong time of year type thing. But any of the girls that are working in this city or around, they always come in for a drink. They always see it as their local to have a drink in when they finish work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, well, I'm there yeah. every Sunday popping up the bar. <laughs> but I think it gives you that that essence. Everybody said, if you're coming out for a drink when you finish your go into bar pop, you can relax and have fun. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's, Absolutely. I think we're quite lucky with that reputation on the circuit. Pop in there. You're not working it, but just go and pop in and have a drink. So hopefully we've been working during lockdown in keeping the bar profile high, obviously mm-hmm. because of we need to, because we need to make sure that when we open, people are coming back. And it's worked quite well. You know, we're yeah. doing the uh, the bingo. Because we, yeah, we have a goal uh, every year where we have our charities and we have to raise a certain amount of money for the year. Unfortunately, it's going to fall a bit short because we don't have pride. We didn't have the bank holidays, you know, and stuff like that. So we're going to miss a couple of thousand. So we, we came up with this game of uh, the bingo decided that we could raise money that way but also we had some of the girls who have not been furloughed basically self-employed so we yeah. said, okay if we do this then we could give a percentage of the money to the girls uh mm-hmm. some uh 100 pound to the winner of the bingo and the rest of the money goes to our charities and we've managed to do that and we've raised nearly 1500 quid so far wow amazing. so you know week in week out and we've done that and it's been really good fun and it's kept me sane as I said, yeah, we, as we definitely. said at the beginning, you know, doing this has kept me focused. I've got something every Sunday to do, which is that. And as we said, we laughed about, it. yeah, it was strange at the beginning to actually look into a camera and get no reaction back. Uh, yeah. But now I've got a a forty inch TV that sits in front of me uh, behind the <laughs> camera, so when I'm doing it, I can read all the comments as it's coming through, and I feel like I'm interacting oh. quite well. Check her out. She's got a bloody monitor and everything. <laughs> I do. I feel like Philip Schofield looking for a new trade. <laughs> you came out at the age of 18 when it was actually illegal to be gay, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, So, uh, Would you mind telling me a little bit of the struggles that you face? Uh, I, I've always had an issue about there was something not right with me. And I, I hate to use that term, something not right with me. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. Uh, I remember being at school and making sure that I was socialising with certain lads. And now looking yeah. back at that, that was about me having crushes on these boys. Yeah. yeah? And, and not knowing what that was. And then I, went, I managed to get into drama school. I left school with nothing. Then managed to, to uh, go back to college all of that, and then got into drama school. And then when I got into drama school, uh, I remember this girl in the class, and she said, oh, shut up, you're gay. And I went, I'm not gay. She said, oh, you are. I've seen you in dance. I've seen the way you act. You're too flamboyant to be straight. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, am I gay? 
like this. And we got talking, you know, in the, in in lunch times when you have your sandwiches and everybody round after yeah, dance yeah. class and stuff. We got talking, and she said, you know, if you've got queries about it, just tell me because she was a, a lesbian and stuff like. We got talking, and after a few weeks, she said, come on, I'll take you to the uh, Birmingham Lesbian and Gay Centre. Okay, she said, they've got a youth group. I said, I'm no youth, I'm 18-odd. She said, no, 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 it's up to 25. She said, you're fine. So I said, okay. So I arranged to meet her outside the Lesbian and Gay Centre uh, at a certain time, and then we'd go in together. So okay. I turned up, and for an hour I waited outside, and she didn't turn up. Oh. And I'm like that. And they, the people inside had been watching me. And the end, one of the workers came out, and spoke to me and then brought me inside and that was me coming out like <laughs> coming inside oh. the lesbian gay center in birmingham so, and why did she stand you up was it like a joke on her no behalf, she or? said what she said was when i spoke to her you bugger didn't turn up or something and she just went well did you go inside and i went well yeah she said well that was your decision then <laughs> you made that journey yourself she said you can never say somebody took you she said i got you to the door said you had to cross the door by yourself yeah, so in a way, she sort of yeah, did you a absolutely. Favor, I would yeah, know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yes, he was scared and stuff like that, and I went mad at her. But I understand why she did it. So that was me coming out in Birmingham. So and okay. then there was no stopping that girl, and she was out all the time, which my my family <laughs> didn't understand because I was a hermit. I would only ever okay. stay in my room in the house and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I was going out clubbing. I wasn't coming home at night, and this girl discovered Dick. <laughs> <laughs> And she's never... Oh, my it. God. <laughs> uh, having said that, it was the middle of the AIDS epidemic and all that was going on. Do you know what I mean? In the mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a really strange time. Uh, that I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change. I mean, but the funny thing was, I was 18 coming on to 19. And here I was coming out and having gay sex. And then to be told that I, what I was doing was illegal. I, was like, what? I know, yeah. What do you mean it's illegal? Uh, you can't be gay till you're 21. Why? Yeah. Uh, well, it's against the law. I'm like, don't be stupid. And then it was. I didn't realise. So the yeah, fun yeah. of going out and going clubbing, because you just have to knock the doors, and the doors yeah. like, open, you come inside, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and, and the whole thing of doing it was like, God, and it was time of Thatcher and all that business, Conservative Party. It was that thing of like, bugger you lot out there. I'm doing this. It's my liberation. You're telling me I can't do it, but I'm doing it. The words of uh, actually Queer as Folk, I'm doing it. I'm I was really just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that to me, that line in Queer as Folk really sums me up, you know, in, yeah. in coming out and doing things that I was told I couldn't do. And I found the liberation to do it. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Absolutely. An amazing time. I met some great people, some great clubbing people, some great time. Oh, it was amazing. And I remember yeah. how I discovered Manchester is uh, my friends from Birmingham said, look, we're going to this rally in Manchester. Why don't you come up and join us? And I went, oh, I don't know. I said, come up, John. It'll be a good, you know, a good weekend. I went, OK. So I travelled all the way up and I got off the train. I think it was 88. I'm just trying to, was it 87? I'm, honestly, I can't remember what year it was. I'm just looking here and I haven't got it. But it was the year of the Clause 28 March, okay. which was the largest ever gathering of lesbian and gay people in the UK. It was over a million people. So anyway, I got off the train at Piccadilly Station. And Piccadilly Approach, you know where you walk down into the city centre? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. walking down there and up the side of us, London Road, was this march 
and it had already started. And I can't tell you, it was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I arranged to meet friends, forget it, which is two, there was thousands of people there. So literally, I managed to get in to Albert Square. But off Albert Square, there's one, two, three, four, five, six roads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least half a mile of each road was people stacked up trying to get in. You could not get in. It was thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And I will never, ever forget that feeling of being in that square while this was going on. And people chanting. And then what it was, they had the stage and the council. And they had all these actors and singers and pop stars and everybody coming out to protest about section 28 and i mean that's Mm -hmm. when i first met ian mckellen that's when i met andy bell and all and all the cast of brookside and everything like that and i was just like oh this city is amazing yeah yeah. and then and then i think further down the line 89 i ended up moving to manchester wow so i i ended up coming here with my partner at that time uh and we came to Manchester with a suitcase, a quilt, and a can of beans. <laughs> Literally, that's really? what we had. We, we moved to Manchester wow. here. He got me a place at uh, the Polytechnic, as it was, a Manchester Polytechnic, which is now Manmet, and got me a place on a course from a postgrad for recreational arts for the community, was the course, a year course, postgrad course. And I, I did okay. that, which is, was a teacher training style course. And that's how I ended up here in Manchester. He got me that place. And then my partner then became a volunteer at uh, the Lesbian and Gay Centre in Manchester. And through that, he then set up a project, which I got involved with, which was called Mesmac, Men Who Have Sex With Men, which mm-hmm. was uh, helping set up a condom scheme in Manchester, uh, which we helped to set up and save the sex projects. So okay. that was around 89. So all of the packs of condoms and lube that we get, you basically were enforcing that? All yeah, meetings. yeah, yeah. We were doing safe sex messages, getting funding. Well, I mean, I didn't get the funding. I was just one of the volunteers involved with the project. It was actually Paul, my partner, that actually was part of the project that helped set up the project and get the funding, which is now the chief executive of the Elizabeth Gate Foundation, Paul Martin. So he was my partner when we first came to Manchester. We're still good friends and everything, would you believe? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, that's how we got here and stuff like that. And for me doing drag, I did drag as a laugh back in the day for parties and stuff. And then because I was at, uh, at, uh, at the Poly, uh, they came to me, Mesmac came to me through Paul and said, look, we've got this project. Would you be involved with it? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be involved with it. What do you want? And he said, look, we've, come, we've done a research, stuff like this. And the only way we can get a safe sex message out that the gay men will take on board and listen to is researchers told us it has to be a drag queen. Yeah, okay. we need a drag queen to go into the bars and educate people how to use condoms, how to put them on, and how to get a safe sex message across. So I said, oh, okay. So I said, uh, is there any chance you would do it? And I went, what? I said, yeah, what do you do it? <laughs> so I said, oh, right, okay. So uh, I got two dancers together, and I got a group of people together, and we came up with songs. Um, we wrote yeah. the lyrics that would put safe sex messages in and all that type of thing. Uh, so we've done about five songs, I think it was, and then I put it in between drag numbers. So it wasn't all about safe sex. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we, we dis- 
discovered was if you, we just go on stage and go safe sex, safe sex, basically switch. switch off, they're not interested. So we made comedy songs around safe sex and then done some traditional lip sync drag numbers and stuff. And we did that. And I had two, two pretty boy dancers and me. So, and that's how I came to start really doing my drag career, really. We've already had this conversation. I was going to say, were you called Viva La Diva straight away? But it wasn't. It was Taste of Yeah, Honey. Taste of Honey. <laughs> Rita Tushingham, the film. And that's why, because it was from Salford and it was very much a working class film and stuff like that. And I just thought, oh, I love that name, Taste of Honey. So that's what it came up. Yeah. It was a taste. It was me entertaining, give you a taste of what I can give you. Yeah. So that's when it ended up. Fabulous. And then it just went, it just went out of room. I mean, when we launched the top and everything, of course, it was the whole thing with, you know, politics and stuff like that and left-wing Labour Council Manchester. And it was like, Man- what was the headlines in the paper? Manchester City Council pays, pays drag queen to have sex on stage. Oh. <laughs> Christ, if only excited. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And things we're doing, you look back now and think, and there's nothing shocking there, yeah. but back in the day, it was shocking to have yeah, a drag yeah. queen bring a, you know, 10-foot penis on stage and get somebody to put a condom on it and stuff like, you know, <laughs> things like that. It was like, oh, my God, shock, horror, but I hope. We've got this whole thing of homophobia has been rife over the years and stuff. And, um, do you know, of recent, I've noticed my uh, live show last Sunday, Mary Max and Miss Pennies, we were all getting a bit of uh, hate, homophobic hate on our posts. Yes. And then, as you know, my hubby's got his own uh, business who does all the LGBTQ cards, mm-hmm. badges and all that. And he, he's called It's So Gay. And someone posted on his website, it's not okay to be gay. And I thought, you know what? We're in 2020 now and you'd like to think we've moved on and we're not suffering that anymore but it actually was a smack in the face to think do you know what it actually really is still going on did you suffer much homophobia over yeah years? yeah I did, I did i mean i at, the, at my 21st birthday party uh i was openly gay and had all the family and everything like that so before the party i was so nervous because i basically it was the first time that my gay friends and my family came together in one room yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so it's the first time all, uh, they come together. Organizing. So I went for a drink beforehand at the local gay bar. Uh, mm-hmm. Partners, as I think it was called then. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, I went to there, I had a drink, and as I came out, a group of lads jumped me uh, and called me, you know, typical batty boy and all that business. Uh, yeah, yeah. And actually beat me up. <gasps> oh, my God. And you know what? All I kept thinking was, <laughs> this is how gay I was. <laughs> my outfit because I had black trousers <laughs> on a white shirt red braces red shoes and I was covered in dirt and it was no longer white <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say I bet you had something fabulously blonde yeah absolutely <laughs> bleach blonde hair I had bleach blonde hair and I suffered from acne uh, uh, you know my mid-teens really bad uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and when I dyed my hair, my dad used to say, "Here comes bloody twinkle toes. It looks like a light, a bloody lighted match." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, how horrendous that happening on your birthday! Yeah, it was. Oh. I mean, I, I pulled a brave face, and then I, as I walked off, everybody was stood outside looking for me. And they saw me, and I was fine by that. And then my mum saw me. She burst into tears, and I burst into tears. You know, that, yeah. was that was the shock of it. So yeah, I have had, I have been on the end of it all, and I'm quite aware 
I never put myself into positions. Uh, but even running the bar, and, and you must get this performing around the country, sometimes there are, and I've only ever got it mainly from women, which sounds really strange, uh-huh. when a few girls are drunk, they think they're being funny, yeah, but yeah. the comments they come out with are quite hurtful and hateful. Uh, yeah, and, 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 they're, and they think they're funny and they're crossing a line and you have to say to them, babe, you can't yeah. say that. It's not funny. Oh, fuck off, you faggot. You know, whatever. You know, and I'm just like, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, where has all this training on? Where's this education on? You still, we still have to deal with this when people are drunk. The true, the true selves come out, if you know what I mean. You've been quite a huge advocate for HIV and AIDS and you're a massive supporter of the George House Trust. Can you tell me about some of the times you've had? With yeah, that? I mean, I'll give you a couple of stories. Uh, when I first came to Manchester, Manchester was rife with HIV okay. and AIDS because obviously being one of the largest gay communities in the country and the you, you try and explain it to the young people of today and they just don't understand for me the simplest yeah. story I can give is that I could go into the Rembrandt because there weren't that many bars then in these days you go into the Rembrandt and you go and stand at the bar and make friends yeah and yeah. you go in have a great conversation you've made some friends da, da, da. then you go in the following week you say to the bar staff, oh, has Stephen been in today? And they just look at you and go, well, where's has he been in? I said, I'd meet him this week. And they go, oh, he died. Jamini died. Oh. And literally, you could speak to somebody one week and the following week they would be dead. People were dropping left, right and centre. You know, and yeah, yeah. you would constantly be going to uh, memorials and funerals and evident and crematoriums and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you'd go to the crematorium that, that often that you would have your name actually on the seat because it was the same seat you sat in week in, week out. <laughs> we joke about yeah, it. That's yeah. what it was like. Uh, and I became heavily involved, obviously through Mesmac, people got to do me. I became heavily involved through teaching and workshops on HIV. Uh, and that's how I got really involved in the village charity. Uh, and then having a close circle of friends that were HIV. And I remember there was uh-huh. something called the Village Charity. And they came up with this weekend of fundraising for HIV and AIDS. And I think it was around, I'm guessing now, 92 or 91, 91 was the Village Charity was established. So uh, yeah. I've been involved with that. And I remember they come up with the essence of party, party, party and fundraiser. But the closing, which was the Monday, was also about remembering what the weekend was about and why we've done it. So it was all those candlelight vigil. That was what Sunday was mm-hmm. about, was remembering those people we've lost and those people that have HIV. Uh, and I remember yeah. going to the candlelight vigil with my friends, come up from London, stuff like that, and there's about eight of us. And we're all there with the candlelight vigil, all had a drink, you know, all, all respecting what was going on and turning round. And then we said to ourselves, whosoever candle blows out is the first one to go. Okay. And then the following year, uh, my friend Stephen wasn't at the next vigil because he passed away. And it, his and his candle was the first candle to go out. And there's only, out the eight of us, I'm just going through all the names, out eight of us, there's only two of us left standing. So that tells you the impact of what HIV and AIDS has had on my life and certainly yeah. Manchester's. Uh, and ever since where I can, I've got involved with helping raise funds for HIV, and I've been criticised for it because people say I should be raising funds for other things. And for me, I've lost so many people to HIV. And yes, we now have PrEP. Yes, we have HIV meds. But that doesn't 
diminish the impact of HIV and AIDS. People don't die of AIDS now. They die of organ failure. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't die of AIDS anymore. You die of the side effects of the drugs. That's what people die of now, liver failure or kidney failure, because the drugs have rotted your organs. And that's why we don't hear much about AIDS anymore. And I have a, I do a lot of voluntary work with the LGF, do a lot of work with George House Trust. I'm proud to be an ambassador for George House Trust. Uh, and that some, I raised some money a couple of months ago and somebody said, I can't believe you're giving it to George House Trust. Gay men don't get it. Uh, not, they don't get HIV, is they don't get the money. And I had to sit the people down and said, we are a community that raises funds for HIV. We don't dictate where that money goes. There are people now suffering from HIV and AIDS in this country, in Manchester, that don't identify as gay, but have HIV. Yeah. And they are, in the, yeah, they yeah. are in the situation what we were 20, 30 years ago. They don't get any support from their community. They don't get any support from the government. And they need all that support from these organisations to help them get through it. It is hard yeah, walking into a room, finding, you know, 50, 60 people. Five of those might be gay and the rest are identified as straight, but are black, are women, are positive mm. women, which is a real shocker. Or, you know, these guys uh, from Eastern Europe or whatever, you know, sitting there not knowing how to deal with it which is exactly where we were 30 years ago. And that's why I look and still raise funds for uh, George House Trust, because they are doing that work when nobody else is doing it. Yeah, because you have, is it six charities? Yeah, we have six chosen charities, and I'm currently looking in the room to find out what those charities are. Hold on. Yeah, every year we, we add a charity to our fundraising. So yeah, uh, we've been yeah. going uh, seven years in September. So at the moment this year, we've got six charities. So we've got the Albert Kennedy Trust, uh, okay. which is a charity I've been involved with since its beginning. So uh, mm -hmm. proud to be part uh, of the uh, Albert Kennedy Trust. And a little story of that was when they launched, they launched at the Library Theatre with all these fabulous, fabulous actors and uh, soap stars and stuff like that. And the after party was held at the Lesbian and Gay Centre. And we were the entertainment for the Lesbian and Gay Centre for, for all these big okay. posh stars. Uh, and I was doing the, the Safer Sex show, you know, that we created. Uh -huh. And what I'm laughing yeah. at, I think that was, uh, yeah, 89, April 89 it was. Uh, and I remember doing it and I'm still looking at it, oh my God, oh my God, doing it. And they, we didn't have a sound system. All we had was an Amstrad Hi-Fi. Uh. Two speakers oh, having to perform in front of this. I look like a right amateur drag queen you know you know what i mean like oh no <laughs> yeah, and i've yeah. got all these sue johnson and all these people clapping and applauding and everything and i'm going not performing in front of an amstrad hi-fi <laughs> <laughs> never again and so uh somebody mentioned it to me a couple of weeks ago i remember saying i remember you at the after party doing your show for uh albert kennedy trust i'm going oh my god so that's back in the day that's one of the little stories there uh, AXM yeah. Foundation, obviously, because I knew Hayden Pope, and Hayden Pope yeah. supported me uh, with my club nights in his venue in the early days and stuff like that, and I've got a really soft spot for Hayden. And Hayden, I'm pleased to say, when I did my roast uh, about five years ago, I think uh, Hayden, uh, unbeknown to me, came and took part in the roast and actually was the only one out of everybody that actually ripped me to pieces 
absolutely. <laughs> he knew me inside and out. He mentioned my life. He mentioned my my uh, the time that I was hooked on drugs. Uh, and I was a serious drug addict. Uh, he went through everything. There was no holes barred. And you know what? That was absolutely amazing because everybody stood up and applauded because that's exactly who I was and what I was. It was fantastic. Yeah. So that's why AXM Foundation. George House Trust, obviously. Yeah. Lesbian and Gay Foundation because I was part of the beginning of that, which was Mesmac Men Who Had yeah. Sex With Men, who then became Healthy Gay Manchester, who became... Who became uh, Lesbian and Gay Foundation, and then the LGBT, as it is now, LGBTQ Foundation. Then, of course, yeah. a spin-off from that is a group that we work with every weekend in the village. It's called the Village Angels. Even though yes, they're yeah. part of the LGBT, they're a separate organisation within the village, and I think it's important to support them. Their funding, so, people, uh, so the volunteers get food or they get extra equipment to use on the streets, so that's why we fund that as well. Yeah. And then the last one, is one that's really, really, really close to my heart, uh, that this group came to us before, uh, right at the beginning when they were founded, and came to us for help, and we said we'd support them. And they just, it's been great to see how they've grown and grown and grown. And that is a little group called Mermaids, which, yes, is, yeah. it, which is for young, young people who identify uh, a, a, as a different gender to what they are. And... Uh, yeah. And that group enables young young people to explore the possibilities, you know, of moving forward with that and to support parents, which is a which is a great group that we're involved with. So that's Mermaid. So that's the last yeah. one. So we've got another one to join this year, which we haven't quite decided what organisation that's going to be. So we're looking at that ready for uh, September when the bar is seven years old. <laughs> and am I right in thinking it's 30 years now you've been in Manchester? Is that yeah, right? 31 odd years, yeah. Wow, wow, you must have seen so many oh. things on Canal Street. Like, if you could go back to a specific time, when would it be? I really, there's been highlights. There has been highlights. I mean, Manchester Pride in 89, I think it was, 89. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm using that date, you have to bear with me, I can't think of it. But we did our first parade. It was only a small parade from Rockies uh-huh. to New York, New York. Gay parade, yeah. and then we had the tug of war and everything in NCP car park. Uh, uh-huh. I was on a float which was promoting safer sex, and I was dressed up as Flora Bondi was my name, you know, in a character. Okay. So, and it was all these other drag yeah. queens taking part, and we had a drag queen competition, and I won Carnival Queen. <laughs> oh, the first fabulous! Queen of Manche- Manchester Pride, so I'm quite proud of that. I'm also proud yeah. of winning the parade three times for Manchester Pride. One of the Amazing. funniest times was when the village charity did, because that was the start of Manchester Pride, did this. We did uh, one float and the Lord Mayor used to read out all the floats as they come back. Description. Yeah. So I gave my description. Not. Oh, I know where this is knowing, going. <laughs> not knowing they were going to be read out loud. So anyway, we dressed up. As because uh, it was for Poptastic flow, Poptastic was a big thing then. So we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all dressed up as, and I have to say this: this is before he was convicted of paedophilia. So before we knew anything okay, of that, okay. it, we all dressed up as Gary Glitter, oh, right? God. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the float was, and as it came, as we came back, going the Gary Glitter songs like this. So <laughs> as we came back, Lord, <laughs> and here we have 
the poptastic float. The poptastic theme is poptastic takes you up the Gary Glitter. <laughs> to stand on the stage for Manchester Pride, Pride has been a great thing, you know, to look out across that crowd. And I think that's what we miss. Uh, I know that it's great to have all these people on stage and talking, but I think they always forget the local people that are in the village week in, week out. And then yeah. they're never brought involved with Pride. I think Pride's become so commercial now that it's forgot its local roots. Yeah, uh, and and it's so sad. And I love the festival. I think it's fantastic. But I just think we need to take ownership of it back. Uh, I was proud to be part of the first, one of the first chairs of the, Manny, uh, the Village Business Association. I was the chair. Okay. And I stood up against the council back in the day. I think it was... 2002 or something i'm just looking here uh well yeah 2002 i think it was when uh we refused to put on pride a week before because the council and the police would not let us drink on the streets they pulled permission so uh we cancelled pride we called a big demonstration and we cancelled pride and i think through pressure we managed to get that put back on, you know, which was great. Also to be involved with Europride, that was fantastic to be on the committee of Europride with Andrew Stokes, Steph Kay, all of that was amazing. There's loads of things I've done in Manchester. Also to be involved with the Asia Consent, I've been involved with all of that. So, and tied ties with Stonegate and, because I had Poptastic and it was such a national club at that point all over the country, Stonegate asked if I would DJ their parties and host their parties for them. So when we done okay. the, the party conferences, you know, Liberal, Labour and Conservative, Stonegate would always host the big party and every MP would come to it because it was the party to go to. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. would host that and do the DJ. So it'd be quite funny, you know, uh, hosting a party, and there's Norman Lamont bopping away, or whatever, you know, Tony Blair bopping away, <laughs> all these people. And I'm going, oh my God, I'm DJing all of this, and then bringing speakers on to speak about the age of consent and stuff like that, and to fight and to be handcuffed to the House of Commons back in the day around the clause 20. All those little funny things that you've done when your kids fighting for your rights. I mean, I remember, I'm going like mad here, I remember the time when Rockies was raided which Rockies was the big gay club that time and the police raided it uh-huh. and several friends of mine were arrested. And then we had a big demonstration in the park and the police were so anti us at that point, we couldn't trust them. They'd come up with cameras in their cars and film us. It's just like the, you know, oh. like spies and, that. and we all went over to the car and we got angry and turned the car upside down with the two coppers inside. And oh. like that. <laughs> we were just so angry. That this guy, James Anderson, yeah. could say, you know, we need to part in a cesspit of our own making or whatever it was. You know, it was it was great to be part of that era. So, you know, it's strange. Where are we yeah. now with our era? I don't know. Have we got everything? I don't know. Are we still fighting? Yes, we are. We still have to make sure. Yeah. There's nothing we can do. You, you can't please everyone, you know, and no, everyone can't please not. you, but you bloody give it a go. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's the end of part one. Isn't that absolutely amazing? My 
God, I could just listen to his stories forever. And we will be picking up with the interview next Friday where John continues to talk about his poptastic days and the trials and tribulations he faced when he had his huge cocaine addiction. So please make sure you do tune in next Friday. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you have enjoyed it. Enjoy the amazing weather. Don't forget, I will be back on Sunday at 4pm for my Facebook Live show Sunday service online. And make sure you join us next Friday for Behind the Queens Part 2 with the fabulous John Hamilton. Thank you very much, guys. See you soon.